Annyeonghaseyo, Charnel Limnita. Welcome to Auxiliary Ending. I'm your host, Charnel. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and for being avid listeners. Don't forget, you can also follow our Instagram at Auxiliary Ending and subscribe to our YouTube at Auxiliary Ending. Enjoy! Hey guys, I just want to let you guys know that this episode will be split into two parts. So part one will be today and part two will be on Friday. So hope you guys enjoy. 안녕하세요, Charnel Limnita, and welcome back to episode two of Auxiliary Ending. So today we're going to be talking about um, rookie historian Gu Heirong. And yeah, so that's what we're going to be dissecting and diving into and analyzing today. Um, this show first aired back in July of 2019, and the final episodes ran until September 20 of 2019. Um, we have Shinsei Gung as Gu Heirong, and then Cha Eun Woo as Edim Prince Dohon, Dohon. And then the second state chancellor who will meet the queen, um, Prince Ejin, and... Um, Sung Sahee, which we'll meet her too, and how she plays a major role in this show. And yeah, so that's the character breakdown. Hold on, I'm sorry, I'm trying to fix my mic. <laughs> so that's the character breakdown. And yeah, so we'll start from the beginning. Um, in the first episode, we meet Heirong, and she's you know, living her life. Um, her brother has her enrolled in a, what is it called? A marriage preparatory school. So basically it's where back in the Joseon dynasty, they sent, <clears throat> whoa. So that's where back in the Joseon dynasty, they sent women to go get prepared for marriage. So, I mean, basically they were taught that even if you know the answer, never say the answer or never say that you know the answer because your place is just to be a shadow. Basically, that's that's basically it. Um, and Heirong was very knowledgeable and she didn't, for one, she didn't want to get married. And she couldn't understand why her brother had her in this like class when she's like, I don't want to get married. We could just be here. We can drink together. We can read together. We can just live like this. I'm fine like this. But he tells her that um, they can't live like that. And if basically if he allows her to become an old maid, which is like an old unmarried woman. And back in the day, old would probably be like in your 20s. Yeah. So if he allows her to become an old maid, like he, his image would be then looked down upon. And as they're talking in the night, um, their conversation gets interrupted in a palace messenger or somebody from the king's um, palace comes to get him. And he goes, um, earlier in the day though, Heidong went to the bookstore because even though she's a noble lady, she's from a family of status. She likes to read. And so in the night, she reads to all the other noble ladies. But while the rest of the other noble ladies are being read romance novels, Heidong does not like to read romance novels. No, she likes to read 
mystery books or just anything that's not circled around romance. And so she's at um, the bookstore because the people who she read to the night before kicked her out and didn't pay her because they were expecting some the hottest romance novel that's like going around town. And she was reading them a story about how the man killed himself because he just couldn't love the woman or something like that. (laughs) And so they kicked her out and they didn't pay her. And she went back to the bookstore to go look for more work. And he was basically telling her like, you've made all, if not all of the noble families upset because you don't read what they want you to read. And she was trying to find work. And she really doesn't need to work, but she likes it. This is what she likes to do. She likes to read. So she wants to share the interesting stories that she's read with the noble women. Um, And so as she's in the bookstore and she's reading this hot new novel that everybody is obsessed with, this man comes up to her. And he's like looking at her and he's smiling and we find out that he's Prince Dohuan. And he basically begged his eunuch, his eunuch to um, let him go out the palace so that he can see people's true reactions to his book. Because his pen name is Mehua. And so he wants to actually see how people are receiving his book. Because all he does is hear this from his eunuch. Like his eunuch and his two um, maids are like, yeah, the book is amazing. I cried like it was awesome and he's like that's what you always tell me I'm tired of hearing this from you I want to hear and see it from the people so they go outside out of the palace and they go into town and he's just so happy as he's looking at all the women and all the people reading his book smiling they're happy he's just like wow they're really enjoying my book (laughs) And he's super happy. And then he comes across Heirong. And he thinks that, oh, she's really enjoying my book too. And then she yawns because she's bored. Bored out of her mind because she hates romance novels. And he becomes offended. Like, and he goes up to her and is like, well, tell me, how do you feel about the book? And she's like, this, this is a waste of paper. I feel sorry for the paper that was used to create this book to print these letters onto this book because this is a waste of paper. And he follows her out and they kind of get into a tiff and he's trying to like defend his book without making it seem like he's the writer because like nobody can know that he's Mewa while the bookstore owner is actually looking for Mewa. So while he's talking to Heidong, his eunuch is going to collect the payments for the book. And the bookstore owner um, sends two goons to follow them, to follow him, because he doesn't know that he's with somebody else, to follow him and to see who the real Mehua is. Um, And this is because, like, there's a higher up guy, a bigger goon, a bigger thug who wants to know who Mehua is because the bookstore owner has promised Mehua to this man. So he sends these goons to follow the eunuch and... His eunuch is like, run. And so they run and he kind of gets some scrapes. And we know um, 
well, most people don't know, but back in the day, it was like a big thing to not have scars on your body for men. But then it was more strict on women, especially if you were going to marry the king. Like you couldn't have any types of scars on your body. A woman with scars cannot marry the king, basically. So yeah, he um, got some scrapes from running. And his eunuch was yelling at him because he was telling him, like, they shouldn't go to the bookstore. And, yeah, he was just like, but he was happy in the end either way because he got to see people's true reactions to his book. And this is all he wanted. So, I mean, I was happy for him for that because, I mean, my guy is stuck in this palace, like, on his own in the furthest corner of the palace all by himself with just three other people every day. So all he does is read, write, yeah, read books and write stories. And that's it. And walk around his garden. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> so as the story progresses, we're going to stay with the book theme, right? So as the story progresses, um, we meet Second Chancellor, and he's talking to the king about this book called the Book of Hodam. And there's a lot of mystery around this Book of Hodam, and we don't hear anything about the Book of Hodam until the end of the uh, until the end of the show, basically. But there's a lot going on with the Book of Hodam, and he tells the king we need to ban this book, and ban a few others along with it, and so. He creates a um, book ban committee <laughs> of basically all the second chancellor's people come together, make a list of books that they want to ban, and they put it out. These books are banned. Anybody who has this book, this is basically contraband right now. So anybody who has this book, they're going to take it, and then they're going to burn the books. So. Later on, like a day or a couple days after, Heidong is coerced into acting as Meihua to read to the noble ladies. Because this bookstore owner knows that she's a, not a normal reader because she comes to him for work. And she only agrees because there's this little boy who um, the big goon is holding as his slave. And she's like, his basically the little boy's father sold him to repay a debt. And she's like, if I do this for you, you set him free. And so, yeah, he actually does it. I was like, he's probably going to say, yeah, she's going to do it. And he's going to be like, mm, just kidding. He's not going to be set free. But he actually set him free. So, win for um, Haydong. So... <laughs> So she does the book reading, and after she's done reading the book, they have like a, a signing, an autograph um, portion for all the noble women. And they have like this sheer curtain between her and the ladies, because for one, nobody's ever seen Meihua. Nobody knows what he looks like. So literally anybody could be Meihua. And that's what they were going off of. That's what they were hoping for, you know? Anybody could be Meiwa. You just read as Meiwa. You practice how to do some brush strokes as a signature. And we cash in on this. We cash in on this, okay? 
And as she's doing the signature signing, the real Meihua comes there. Prince Dohuan comes and he's like, I wanted to see who is impersonating me. And basically he's telling her, you know you're not Meihua. You should come out here and apologize to these women for lying to them. And so she does. She comes out. She apologizes. She says, I'm not the real Meihua. And the women get mad. Like, so what is this that you put into my book? And she's like, but wait, the real Meihua is here. And then she looks at him. And right as the women are about to storm Prince Dohun, the authorities come. And they start grabbing people and collecting the books. Because what was the book's name? Moonlight Lovers or something like that. It was also on um, <clears throat> on the list of banned books. So the authorities came and they started, as soon as people saw them, they started running, they started collecting books. And basically, Hedong was caught and she basically threw Prince Dohan to the authorities so that she could escape. I mean, she did feel guilty later and was wondering if he was okay. But she doesn't know that he's a prince. All she knows is that he could, he is now, it's confirmed that he is Meihua. Because when they first met, she was like, if you keep going like this, I won't believe that you're the real Meihua. But yeah, so now it's confirmed that he is the real Meihua. And she throws him to the authorities and she goes and <laughs> runs for her life and gets home. And then she's like, oh, I hope he's okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, he gets freed because his unit comes and is like, I'm Meihua, basically to free him. Because nobody knows that he's Prince Dohuan, right? The king is keeping him under wraps. Nobody knows him. Nobody knows his name. And that's another thing while he was in trouble. Um. When he went to the police bureau, they were asking him for his ID because everybody had an ID, but he didn't have an ID. So the policeman was asking him, like, wait, what? what is your father? What does he do? And then he was, like, calling ranks, and his ranks would go. The numbers would get lower, which means the ranks got higher, like the third state chancellor or the second whatever and he was just like no no and the and the police was like whoa is that quite up there um what but yeah so when his uh unit came to free him his two maids came and they were like um mama which means like your highness or it's like a term for the king or the prince um no it's for the prince so um, the policeman overheard, and we're going to learn that just about everybody is working for the second state chancellor. Like, people say that this isn't the Yi's dynasty, okay? It's not Yi family dynasty. This is for the men. This is the men dynasty. The second state chancellor is Min. What's his name? Min, Min in Hong. And, yeah, they're going to say that this is his dynasty because, yeah, the king is on the throne. But really, Min, the second state chancellor, he runs this. He runs everything. He even runs the king. And we're going to find out why later on in the story. Now, the second state chancellor does a lot of things. But the first thing that we see that he does is the banning of the books, right? And that's partially because he wants to know 
He's um, anxious to find out who is behind the story of Hodam. Now, he's suspecting the queen. Now, the queen is in a position that he cannot reach. So what he does is he makes a request um, at their royal meetings when all the advisors come to meet the king. And in this instance, the king has appointed the crown prince as his regent. So when they come for a meeting, the crown prince is there as the regent, and they're with him, and they're telling him, we should have female historians. Now, this would be big back in Joseon. Now, as we know, there were no female historians back in the Joseon dynasty. This is fictional. But, so he um, requested that they hire female historians. And the crown prince was so upset, he went to go meet the queen. And she was basically, like, he already knew, but she was just confirming that whatever you do, it's probably going to be your, like, your downfall or whatever. Um, we know on one hand, he wants to use these female historians as spies because they're going to, he phased it as they're going to record the daily lives of the inner palace, right? So he wants to assign them personally to each person. So the king, the queen, the crown prince, and Prince Dohan, who's in his own little area um, at the corner of the palace. So basically, he, the crown prince, um, knows that if he rejects, it's going to be a big thing. And so he accepts, and he's like, okay. We'll have a female historian exam, but I will create the question. And he will be there to oversee. But people still cheat. But anyways. So they have the, um, they agree on this. And honestly, when he said that he'll agree, I don't know if they didn't think that he'll agree. But they were all up in arms like, no, women can't be historians. This, that, and the third and he's like you guys were the ones who brought this up to me you requested this i only accept it so why are you upset why are you upset that i've accepted your request does that make sense no so they kind of quieted down and news started spreading that they were hiring female historians and i mean most families didn't want their daughters to do this because if you didn't get selected, like your chance of getting married would be super slim. And that was the big thing back in the day. And I mean, it's still a big thing now, like making sure that your daughter is able to get married. <sighs> so yeah, if the girls did were not selected as um, female historians, it would be harder for them to get married if they were even able to get married at all. So most families didn't want their daughters to do it, but some girls still went and did it because that's what they wanted. They wanted to do that. Um, now, Heidong doesn't find out about the exam until the day before. And now the day before is also the day before her marriage. So we go to her wedding day and she's waiting, she's getting dressed, but she's also anxious. Now we don't know why she's anxious, but she's anxious. And then we see the groom, the husband to be coming and there's this duck in 
her brother's hand and he's about to pass it on to the groom and he doesn't take it. He's like, I can't do it. I can't go through with this marriage. And he says it loud so that, and Heirung, Heirung hears it. And so at this moment, she sprints up. She starts taking off her um, ceremonial garb and she's about to hop the fence. She's about to hop the fence and go run to take the exam. Now her um her main maid, her main servant is there helping her like take everything and it's like she had like these red three red stickers, two on her cheeks and one on her forehead. Um and she tells her to take them off and she runs. She goes, she runs, she forgets the one thing that's on top of her head that's also like there when you perform perform the marriage ceremony. But anyway, she's running and she has like her regular hanbok on and she's running through the streets of Joseon to get to the palace to take this exam. And she gets to the gates and she's like out of breath and she's like, I'm here to take the female historian exam. And she's so excited because this is what Haedong lives for. She lives for things like this, for books, for being able to go out and and like use her freedom. Basically, she wants to feel free. Like men are free. Men are free to go to work every day, but she wants to feel that for herself. And we find out later on that she does tell her brother this. Like she's told him, I was always jealous of you because every morning you had somewhere to go. And I wanted to experience that just once. So this, this is the day she's been waiting for. She goes and she walks and she's about to sit down to take her exam. And as she's sitting, she starts to reminisce about the night before. So after she found out about the female historian exam, she went to her husband-to-be and basically talked him out of the wedding. She's like, if you could just cancel this wedding, just say you can't marry me, that would be amazing. And I mean, he's kind of hurt. He's like, I mean, would you rather have this stain than be married to me? Is being married, is the thought of being married to me that bad? Is it really that bad? And he just doesn't understand. But, you know, he still goes through with it as we saw previously, as we heard. Um, when he basically yelled, which was her signal to know that he was going to go through with it, that he couldn't get married to her. So he, he does do what she asks. And she runs and she gets to take the exam. And the question... The question is, the exam is announced. A solar eclipse is believed to be an occurrence that reprimands kings for their shortcomings. Solar eclipse rituals are performed to satiate the heavens. Yeah, but this phenomenon still happens. Therefore, how can a king prevent a solar eclipse? And she sits there with her paper blank until the time for the exam is almost up. And prior to this, the prince had um, talked, the crown prince had talked to the prince the night before. The prince, the crown prince had spoken to the prince about what his question should be. He didn't feel like giving the standard historian question 
um, because those are standard. He wanted to do something that, well, it will be harder to get an answer from. Just, and the prince told him, you are, you should be looking for the most brazen answer, like an answer that will knock your socks off. That'll be like, how dare this woman say this? And so basically the prince was telling him what he should look for. And I mean, at the same time, he was also looking for the woman who, um, who impersonated him as Mehua. So, I mean, I guess he was figuring two birds, right? Two birds, one stone. Find her. Don't know what he wanted to do with her when he found her, but you know, he wanted to find her. So the prince chose the question and that was the question about the solar eclipse. And right before the time is about to end, Heidong writes um, basically that the solar eclipse isn't powered by mankind. It's the will of the heavens and you can't control it. And then she goes more into detail and they find her answer completely brazen. Um, she says that the solar eclipse occurs because it is a natural phenomenon caused by the movement of heavenly bodies. She suggests it would be helpful to create a book to help make sure that people aren't misinformed, like in the future when it happens again. And this was just such a brazen answer for a woman, you know, as they thought. So when the other historians were back in the room deliberating to figure out who they were going to pick. I mean, mind you, throughout the whole exam, we saw historians passing answers. We saw them passing whole pre-written scripts, okay? They were cheating to the utmost degree, okay? So we saw historians helping other women to um, help them get hired. And this is what the prince notice, notices as he's walking by and looking at the papers. He's like, these handwritings are exactly the same. These answers are similar. Show me one that doesn't look like everybody else. And they're like, we have this one, but it's very brazen. And he's like, let me read it. And so he reads it. And he's like, wow, you're right. But he makes a short list of candidates and he they post it up around town, up on the bulletin, and he invites them back to his residence. And the men are thinking, well, maybe, you know, he wants to invite them there to let them down, all this good stuff. But when they get there, he calls them in one by one. And when he starts talking to Heidong, he really like digs into her. He's like, these people, the citizens, Joseon is a poor country, and they're just worrying about where their next meal will come from. They don't have time or the privilege to read or to worry about what a solar eclipse actually is. And so when he's done talking to her, she thinks, oh, I didn't get it. I just got a scolding, and I'm just going to be back, and my brother's probably going to find a whole nother um, person for me to marry. Like, oh, I didn't get it. But then he calls the final four, and it's her and three other women. Um, 
and they are the four first historians of Joseon in the show, because not in real life. <laughs> so the the prince um was a little upset that he couldn't go to see like the women taking the test, even though he had helped like find the answer, find the question for the test, and he wasn't able to go and view the test. So the crown prince told him that the royal villas um, was open and that nobody was there and that he could go there to, you know, relax and enjoy and really just get away from the inner palace for a little bit because that's all he he's ever just, that's where he is all the time, just in the inner palace, in his house, by himself with his three helpers. That's it with occasional um, visits from the crown prince and or he'll go visit the queen. But that's really it. The king doesn't visit him. The king doesn't acknowledge him. The king thinks that whatever he does is just so stupid and so wrong. And yeah, how, like you're thinking, how can a king not like his kid? Well, we'll find out later. <laughs> So the prince and his eunuch, they go to the villa, the royal villa. And as the prince is walking, he sees a dog. And by the dog, he sees an engraving in the ground. And it says, um, Meihua, or not Meihua, sorry. It says, Hodam and Yungan. This is where the path was made. And... He's like, what's this? But, you know, he walks, he goes into the villa, he goes into the hot spring, and he starts to have a nightmare. And it's this man in the king's garb, in a royal garb. It's red with the gold um, indentings on it, what the king wears. Um <clears throat> It's red and gold, and he hears somebody like whispering Hodam around him, and he feels like he's drowning. And so we know at this point that the prince has been having nightmares, and he doesn't know why. And he goes back to look for the engraving that he saw, but he can't see it in that spot anymore. And his eunuch said that he must have just been hallucinating. So he blames it on hallucinations. And so he's like, okay, you're probably right. I was just hallucinating. But he wasn't. It was a message within his dream. And we'll find out more. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So Hedong has decided that she has a job, that she's going to start working as a female historian. But the first day... Like, the men did not even want to acknowledge them. And then when they finally did, they treated them like servants, okay? So they had these women running to go get their hot water, running to clean their shoes, like, just menial tasks because they didn't want them to be there. Everybody was opposed to this. And after, like, a while of dealing with this, 
um, one of the girls is like, yeah, Sahui. She's like, well, why don't you guys just give us a hazing? Why don't y'all haze us? And then we could just get past this. And Officer Yang, who is the lead historian, is thinking like, they really think we're just going to be all buddy-buddy and cool with them after this hazing? I have other plans. So they go and they order like expensive food. They order a lot of food. And that's part one. The women, the four female historians have to pay for this food, right? And then they make them drink. So they bring a big barrel of liquor, of wine um, out. And instead of the little cups, they bring a bowl. They make them drink out of, drink liquor out of bowls, right? So Sahui was the first one, um, and on her after her second bowl, going to her third, um, Herong saw that she was struggling, and so she took it and she drank it, and she propositioned Officer Yang that whoever was the last person up after this drinking contest would be the winner. Now, what they don't know is that Heidong is a strong drinker, okay? Heidong drinks with her brother almost every day. So she can hold, she can, she can hold her liquor. And so that's what they see after countless amounts of drinks. Officer Yang falls over and the female historians start like um, celebrating because that means that Heidong won. And the next day, one of the officers, um, he told the guards not to let Heidong in the palace at all. So they're all there like, oh, she's probably hung over. She's probably like, she could she can't even stand up because Officer Yang is having the hardest time staying awake. Like he is just so drunk. He's so hungover. He is in a lot of pain. Like, and so he's thinking, this she must be like three times worse than what I am right now. She's got to be struggling. But no, she's not. Heidong is up, she's bright-eyed, she's bushy-tailed, um, and she's upset as to why she can't get into the palace. And so somebody tells her, there's a little hole um, further down, and you can go through there and come into the palace. And so she does. But as she's crouching, trying not to be caught, she gets caught. <laughs> and she gets caught by Prince Dohan. Um and they turn and she turns around and they recognize each other from the bookstore and from the reading. This is their third encounter. And while she's encountering him, um, you know, they're discussing about how she must be hungover and how she must just be in so much pain and can't and isn't able to get up. And after he tells them, yeah, she's not even gonna be able to come into the palace today. I told one of the guards not to let her in. And then she walks in. And it's like, I mean, hi, I'm here. I'm ready to work. And they're like, you're late. Of course she's late because you guys schemed against her because you're mad that she won. But anyways. <laughs> um, but yeah, the other, the there's four girls. So there's Sahui, who is, Sahui, who is just so off-putting. And then there's the other two girls who are closer to Heiwa, Hei Young. 
what am I? Who are closer to Haedong? And they go and they thank her for basically like taking one for the team. Like you didn't have to drink for us, but thank you because you did. Um, And she's like, oh, it's no problem. And then the fourth girl comes and she's like, oh, you don't have to thank me. And she's like, I wasn't going to thank you. Don't ever get in my way like that again. I don't need your help. And it's like, ma'am, you look like you were struggling yesterday, but okay, that's fine. Fine. I won't help you again. And so after their talk, they're taken to go meet the queen. Oh, he's awake. They're taken to go meet the queen um, by the queen's court lady. And after they're done, some more court ladies come and they take them away. And the other court ladies are there like, why are you naked? (laughs) Okay. Okay, sorry for the interruption. Um, somebody came out from waking up naked after he went to bed with pajamas on. So my apologies. Um, Chosamida. So yeah, where we left off is Song Sahi was telling Heirong not to get in her way next time. Don't help me. I can do this on my own. So. Um, Heirong agrees, okay? I have no problem. You sit, fine, do that. So after their brief, you know, powwow, they're called into the royal meeting, um, where the royal council meeting, where um, they're going to record the meeting for the first time. And let me tell you, all the counselors and all the little officials heated, okay? In their feelings, why are they here? Why are the four female historians here recording this meeting? <sighs> but yeah, since, you know, they thought that they were going to be slick and the regent wasn't going to bring on these female historians, and now they're getting a taste of their own medicine. Not really, because, I mean, all they're there for is just to record history. So they start the meeting, and they're basically talking about there was a flood. Um, and that those citizens are in trouble and that they need help. And the top officials are saying that, well, why should we help them when these people move to the mountains to evade paying taxes? And the regent, um, Crown Prince Yidim, was like, well, why are our poorest citizens paying the most taxes? Sounds familiar? But yeah, why are our poorest citizens paying the most taxes? When over time, everybody was paying taxes at one point, and then the top officials start giving less and giving less until they just stopped paying altogether. So you, like to everybody in the room, who own and who have control over the top wealth of Joseon, are not paying taxes, but you expect people who can barely get food on the daily to pay majority of the taxes that you're neglecting to pay. Make it make sense. How does it make sense? Because it doesn't. So that's what the meeting is basically going over. Um, they don't want to help the citizens and 
um, the regent, crown prince, clearly wants to help the citizens. And in his right heated statement that he was going in on these counselors, the king walks in and he then um, he tells the crown prince to leave, basically. You know, oh, you think you're the king? Because he said something along the lines of, um, my country, I'm the king, or something like that. And the king walked in and was like, oh, so you think you're the king, you know? <sighs> you know, a fight that they should have behind closed doors and not in front of all these people that are holding a lot of things over you. Well, at least over his father, because he didn't know what we're going to find out later for, like, majority of his life. He was today years old when he found out, okay? So... Um, the historians then are tasked to, um, like, describe, write down, record the dead bodies. Okay, so previously there was a group of people who were printing books and they were printing the, the story of Hodam. And while they were in the middle of printing, um, they got, because, you know, they set up, like, traps traps and stuff so that they can be signaled if anybody is coming to them because this now currently is a banned book okay it's a banned book because it has some deep secrets in there that is the truth but is deemed as a lie and it can hinder the current king's rule so they have traps set up to signal them when anybody is within their reign in their um region in their range and so they get signaled because they step on a wire which I mean clearly the men the assassins don't know that there's a wire and they step on it and they get signaled and they start burning the books they start trying to burn the books but all the books aren't burned but the assassins come and they start I want to say fighting but really they start slaughtering them okay because they try. They try to defend themselves, but honestly, trained assassins, I mean, they were probably trained to some degree too, but very trained assassins versus you. So yeah, they're dead. Um, and then there was one guy who was over the fire and actively putting the books in, and he got um, slashed, like slashed across his back. And we meet this female physician and she comes in and she stitches him up and he's alive he's the only one of everybody in that book printing room who is alive and so the second state chancellor hears this and he hears about how um he was stitched up and how it wasn't like what they do in Joseon it was like a western medical practice like the way how she stitched him up was not how they do in Joseon. So second state chancellor sent his little henchman to go kill the guy. So here's what happened. The crown prince is walking in. The assassin is walking out, but he is just like a guard. So crown prince isn't really thinking much of it, even though he finds it kind of weird. But he's not thinking too much of it. And then he walks inside the room and he sees the body is no longer moving. No longer breathing. He is dead. 
And so he then follows the dead body. But we go back to the historians who are recording the other dead bodies. And at this point, they don't know that that guy is dead, right? <clears throat> so they don't know that that guy is dead. And so everybody's all freaked out and they don't want to be there. But Haydong's like, so the guy who's still alive, can we go visit? Can we go see him? I want to see like how she stitched him up, what she used, what was her method. I think this is what she used. Um, it's a Western practice style of healing people. Okay. I want, I want to see, okay. Hey, Sue is, sorry. Moon Lover, Scarlet Heart Rio, wrong show. Heirong is like a kid in a candy store. I want to see the stitches. But they're like, no, like stop being weird. No. So they all leave and they start walking home. And she's like, I forgot my Sechik, which is the book that the historians record history in. And with this book, nobody else can view that book except for historians and a lot happens with that too in the future but they're like isn't it in your hand and she runs she runs back she starts running back because she wants to go see this body and this man who has stitches and she's like cutting in between side roads and then she comes across seeing the crown not the crown the prince backing up okay he is reversing and then she sees a knife pointed at him because remember he followed the assassin, and while he was following the assassin, he saw him taking off the um, guard garb and putting it aside and then continuing to walk. And while they were walking, the guy noticed that somebody was following him. I mean, because he's been, he's probably been working for evil uh, second state chancellor for a moment. So he knows to be on his P's and Q's and on his tippy toes and to cross his T's and dot his I's, okay? So... He, like, kind of cornered him, you know. The crown, the I keep wanting to call him the crown prince because he is. Spoiler alert: he is the real crown prince. But the prince, Prince Dohwan, is cornered, and him being the cute little naive guy that he is, he doesn't know because he never leaves his residence. So he keeps following him. He thinking that the guy is still running straight. And then the guy comes up to him and is coming at him with a knife. And clearly he's scared. And Haydong is watching and he drops a bomb on her. I am Prince Dohwan. And then the female physician shoots an arrow and the guy runs away and she chases him. And she, Haydong, is super confused it's like I've met you one two at least three times now right and now constantly since I'm your appointed female historian but I've met you at least three times now and I didn't know that you were the prince the first time you were Mewa the second time was in the garden and he didn't really give who he was. And then the third time, you were dressed as an eunuch. Hmm. So, yeah, that's when she finds out that he is actually Prince Dohan. And then he faints. And she catches him. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> this show is so cute, you guys. I really like it. Honestly, this was my second time um, watching it, so I rewatched it. And there's a few dramas that I would not mind rewatching. Okay, I have a list, but then I also have a longer list of shows I need to watch. So <laughs> I think the rewatching is going to have to wait. Yeah, so this all happened prior to her, um, wait, officially getting appointed to him? Yeah. Yeah, this all happened before she officially um, got appointed to him. But yeah, the next day or the next time she's with him, he thanks her for not leaving him alone. Um, yeah, but she's kind of upset. So she switches positions with um, Inim, another female historian. So she then goes to the Crown Princess residence, and Heidong is now going to Heidong is now going to the Crown Princess residence, and Inim is going to Prince Dohun's residence. But while she's with the Crown Prince, um, he comes up with this great idea to bring everybody together. So they go shooting, doing archery. Right, shooting bows and arrows, you know, trying to get a bullseye. Um, which honestly, Prince Dolan cannot get a bullseye, <laughs> he misses every shot he takes. <laughs> oh, it's so cute! <laughs> so, yeah, the crown prince is hitting bullseyes, and Prince Dolan is not. And the female historians are giggling. And, you know, he's in his feelings. He's kind of upset. Because, for one, the girl that he likes is watching him miss horrendously. Atrociously. He is missing so badly. So, so he makes, you know, a um, proposition with her. Well, if you hit just one bullseye. You can laugh at me as much as you want. And so she takes him up on his proposition. And he's like, how many arrows do you need? And she's like, just one. <laughs> and he's looking flabbergasted like, what? You just need one? He's like, okay. So she takes her one. She aims. She twists the bow, the arrow. And she shoots. And she gets a bullseye on the first try. And he is super confused. And she explains, this was my pastime hobby when I was young. So he stepped into a trap he didn't even know he was setting for himself. And of course he got mad afterwards. Like he was, he then was extra in his feelings because now she can laugh at him. I mean, which she was going to do regardless of his um, consent. <laughs> Sounds weird, but <clears throat> regardless of him telling her that she could, she was still going to. So, yeah, that was their day together. And then after that, she was just back consistently with um, Prince Dohan being his um, historian. 
And now the girls are excited that, well, one of the girls in them, she's excited about getting her first paycheck because remember when they did the hazing, she took out a loan to pay for the meals, for her portion of the meals. Because um, I don't think she's from a really well-off family. So she took a, she took a loan to pay for her portion of the meals and she wanted to start paying that back. But this is when they meet corruption at the deepest level. So they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting. And names are being called, but it's not theirs. And then one guy comes with his, um, I forget what they're called, but like a little messenger. And he has like a little bag on his back to, you know, take his pay. And he walks in and he's like, hey. And he walks in and he just says, hey. And the guy's like, okay, come, 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 come. And he gives him his pay. And so now the vault is empty. It's empty. There's no pay left for people. And they're like, what? How can there not be any pay? Oh, they're called assistant clerks. Yeah. So the people are coming with their assistant clerks and... They're, those people are getting their pay faster than everybody else. And then the guy says, well, next time you should just come earlier so that you can get your pay. But Haedong knows that it's not supposed to be like that. She has a decent sense of right and wrong. She, I mean, there's a few, let me, there's a few characters in this show who have a good understanding of right and wrong. But there's a few, one character who thinks that it's just black and white and doesn't think that it could get muddy in between and like gray, right? That's what they say. It's not just black and white. There's some gray spots and all that. Yeah. So that's Officer Min, um, the son of the second state chancellor, Min. But they are two completely different personalities. So we really don't have to worry about his ethics because he knows his dad is crap. And honestly, that's why he became a historian, to right the wrongs that his father has done. And to clear Joseon of all the, you know, corrupt corruption that's happening. So, yeah, that's a little bit on um, Officer Min Woo-Woon, right? Yeah, that's his name. <laughs> so, they actually then go to eat, and they see the other male historians, so the rest of the historians, and they're sitting, and they're talking, and they're like, why are you so happy? Because one of the guys is just super happy. And like, why are you so happy? And he's like, I just got my first full pay today. Mind you, he's been working there for months, if not like at least a year. So he's been working there for like a really long time. And this was the first time he got his full pay. And honestly, Enem is feeling so deflated like she has this loan that she has to pay back and this guy is telling her that he 
just now got his full pay. And they start explaining the system, how you have to pay the um, assistant clerks to help you and then bribe the person who's dishing out the pay to then be able to get your pay. And I think he didn't do that. So that's why it took him so long to get his full pay. But they were explaining that that's how the systems go. So the the office, the officials who distribute the salaries, which is rice, um, are also bribed to prioritize your name into getting called, which is then you getting paid. And of course, our main heroine is quite upset with this news and she writes a letter, I think to the king. And she stares up some drama. Okay, some straight drama. Okay, so everybody's mad. The um, assistant clerks are no longer helping the historians, okay? They said, you have extra work to do? Well, do it yourself, okay? You have this to write up. You have that to take to that office. Who? Oh, I'm sorry. We don't know you. And so, Officer Yang hears about this because one of the off, one of the other like officials comes and they're like who is Gu Heidong? Like if the king would have seen this, do you know how many people would have been in trouble? Do you know how many people would have not been here if the king would have known this? You think we're just sitting by and not doing anything, even though we know of this corruption because we want to? And so they're going in on Heidong, and he leaves, and Officer Yang. Then, you know, tries to continue it. And she is like, well, what did I do wrong? If you can explain to me what I did wrong, then I can understand. But nobody's explaining to me what I did wrong. I saw a problem. I tried to fix it. This is wrong. How are we not getting paid? Because the people who get paid, who distribute the pay, want you to pay them so you can get your pay. How? And so she's there and she's like, Her voice is really quite soothing, (laughs) but she's like, how, how am I wrong? Thank you guys so much for listening to part one and part two is coming your way on Friday. Bye. Annyeong.